Welcome back to Tower After Hours. I am joined by some of our SEO team. How many people are on our SEO team at this point? I was going to be about to be like two fifths or like whatever, but I lost track because we grow so much. Right. There's six now. Two sixths <laughs> of our SEO team. And new to Tower After Hours. So we have Lauren and Trevor. Thank you both for hopping on with me. Thanks for having us. Excited to be here. I'm I am excited. So we are obviously talking about cookie-less tracking, future of analytics, GA4, all that stuff. But before we dive in to really cover those topics, I like to start it off with a fun question. So here we go. What's your favorite web browser and why? I'll start. Safari. I love it. Um, And people give me a hard time in the office about it, but... What uh, do you guys have any? Lauren first. <laughs> you know, I actually use two different browsers. I use Chrome for work and then I use Safari for personal. And it allows me to keep my passwords and usernames separate so that that way I can log in on both of them and I can access it really easily. That's actually really smart. <laughs> um,. Now, do you use Safari personal because it's just the like iPhone uh, thing? Yeah, I think that was just the default. So I use that for my personal one, and then I use Chrome for my for my work. All right, all right. Trevor, do you have one? Uh, you know what I said before this when I was thinking. Sorry, I was like Duck Duck Go, maybe. <laughs> you know what that is? Yeah. Uh, so I I'm a, I'm a big Chrome guy. Been an Android and a Windows person okay. forever. And essentially all of my friends are all computer nerds. They're pretty much all everything sucks except for Chrome. Even though I know it eats a bunch of your your RAM, Um, that's fine. I'm not gaming on my computer. Recently got a PS5, so I am Chrome all the way. (laughs) Those are good answers. All right. So... um... From an, from an SEO perspective, really quickly, are, is there merit to using different browsers? Like, do you guys do that at work to test things, or is that just kind of not a necessity? I personally do, um, especially when we're doing testing on some, like, on-page optimization with forms and stuff. And stuff. If you go into Chrome, I look at it that once something's live, and then a big thing us SEOs do is often go into incognito mode and see it from someone who's brand new to the site and then i also use firefox for testing that's just so nothing overlaps Mm. within chrome and firefox and you're able to see whatever you're doing from like you said all walks of life because as you just mentioned we all have different browsers and we didn't even mention all of them there's opera there's DuckDuckGo, there is a whole lot of other browsers that i don't even know about because i have chrome Well, well, that's awesome. That's very good to know. Um, so as I mentioned in the intro, we're talking about cookie-less tracking. This is the big talk for the past few years kind of in the marketing world. Is it going away? What's replacing it? Um, I even heard somebody compare like the like concern over Y2K when we were about to hit 2000 and how people were like really up in arms about that and concerned and then nothing major happened. But they were saying this is bigger than that and marketers should be concerned. So the browser, the fun conversation there is not completely unrelated. I feel like there's a natural seg there to talk about cookies. What are they? 
what is the future of analytics like, GA4, that sort of stuff. But first, let's just start it out with some basics um, for people who are kind of wondering, like, what are you talking about with cookies? So, um, Trevor, I think I'll start with you, but Lauren, feel free to hop in at any point too. Can, can you guys just break down for me what are cookies? Like, what are we talking about? Yeah, so cookies are essentially the little pop-up you see every time you go to a website that says, do you accept cookies, yes or no? I feel most of us just hit yes and move on. But essentially, when you click yes on a website with a pop-up that's asking you to accept those cookies, you're essentially allowing the website and some JavaScript to record your information on that site that can get sent to other sites. And it essentially just allows the website to monitor you and remember certain information such as passwords if you're on Amazon and you don't have to log in or it could be something mm-hmm. like if you're browsing some shoes on a site and then you go to another website and you're suddenly seeing those shoes everywhere. There's kind of two examples of what a cookie is. It essentially stores your information and marketers can use that information to create those, like I just mentioned, highly specific ads if you're on one website, you can go to another and see that product pop up there. And that is the beauty of a cookie. Mm-hmm. Now, correct me if I'm wrong, because I'll be honest with you. I'm not in the SEO world. People who have heard the podcast know I'm a content marketing specialist at Tower Marketing. We're an agency based in Lancaster, Pennsylvania, and we can enhance your marketing strategy and take you to the next level. Oh, yeah. Talk to me. What you mentioned there with cookies, is that like a first party cookie? So from what I understand, if I'm like on an e-commerce store or something like that, and I save, like, oh, I'm like, oh, I want to check out this shirt or something. And then I leave the website, you know, I don't buy it or whatever. If I come back, sometimes it'll store it for me. That is a first party cookie, is that correct? Yeah, so something like a, a password on your website, like I, like I mentioned earlier, yeah. the, if you go to Amazon and you don't have to type in any of your information, that's a first party cookie, but then another party, uh, as you mentioned with the cookies, is a third party cookie. That is where, let's just keep using Amazon because everyone uses Amazon at this point. You're looking up new garden hoses and you're browsing around there, you're comparing a bunch, you're doing your research, and then if you go to a news website and all of a sudden you see that garden hose pop up on there, that's a third-party cookie. Um, The analogy I kind of like to use between a a third-party cookie and a first-party cookie is kind of imagine you're at a grocery store and you literally are buying cookies and you put that in your grocery store. If it Bit of a weird comparison here, but if you were to take an anamorphic cookie and use that as our comparison here, a first party cookie would be that actual cookie box that if you're having information within this grocery cart, that cookie can only see within itself. But let's say that cookie box now is a third party cookie. It can look around your grocery cart and you can see If you have tortillas, alcohol, no matter what you see, that cookie is going to see what else you're browsing on the website. And it can Mm -hmm. share that information within it. But if it is a first-party cookie, let's say it's a Chips Ahoy, only that Chips Ahoy can see your data within that Chips Ahoy cookie. Got it. Okay. Now I want cookies. I know. He's making me very (laughs) – cookies, tortilla chips, everything. Uh, That's actually a very good analogy for that, and that makes it – I don't think I've heard someone break it down that simply before. But okay, so let's drill down into that a little bit more. Um, 
history of cookies. So like why did search engines, browsers, whatever, like why did they begin using cookies in the first place? Like why uh, you mentioned they're kind of like tracking. So I understand that from the marketing perspective, but for someone again, who's just kind of new to the whole thing, what's, what's the purpose of them? Like, why did we begin using cookies in the first place? Lauren, do you have something for me? Yeah. So essentially Trevor did touch on this a little bit, but, um, it enhances the user experience. It can help them find the products they're looking for in the past so that they don't have to try to remember where they saw the product. Mm -hmm. Um, you're retargeting them with different ads. So it helps marketers and it allows us to find the right audience and show them the right products that they are looking for. Um, it also allows us to better allocate our budgets for um, people who have a higher chance of converting. We don't want to waste our advertising money on people who are going to be looking at these products and have no interest in them at all. So it helps us. Um, and it helps us understand our audience so that we can create products that they actually want. From a user perspective, it also helps them because, as Trevor was saying, with first-party cookies, it can remember your login information so that you don't have to log in each time you go to a site on your device. Mm -hmm. And so for user experience, it is very beneficial because it helps you be more efficient and it can help you find what you're looking for. Yeah, okay. So, I mean, all of those things sound good to me. I, we're talking about first party cookies. I love, of course, when you can like save your login information, it makes it super easy. I know it's like, I'm literally that lazy that I don't want to type it in again, but like, it's honestly very nice. So one thing about third party cookies though, cause that's what we're talking about going away in GA4, that sort of stuff. Um, that's where I feel like people are uh, like the the consumer or the user, our people are a little sketched out about it because they don't like the idea of, like I think some people are fine going to a website. Cool, I know this website's gonna track my, you know, activity online and it can better serve me things. But they're not like keen on the idea of like businesses who advertise on that website because their ads on that website being able to get their information, history, that sort of thing, and track them. Even if it's serving them ads that they would be interested in, even if it's helping to sort of craft an algorithm that is relevant to them, there's still something that people are a little sketched out about, about being tracked that way, I guess. So is that why um, like Google is looking to like move towards kind of a cookie list system? Like I think we mentioned first party cookies are probably going to be around, but why is, I guess, Google looking to get rid of cookies? And then my second question with that, are other browsers doing the same thing or have they already done the same thing? Like what's the landscape there? It's really interesting that Chrome is doing this now because all of its competitors, so Firefox, Safari, Brave, they're already doing this. They have already eliminated third party cookies. And so because of that, it's a huge step forward in the ad tech industry because Chrome already owns over 60% of the global market share. So the fact that they're stepping up and doing this is going to change the entire landscape here. And like you said, and like we had mentioned a little bit before, but privacy and transparency and control and choice for the customers is what Google is trying to achieve through eliminating mm -hmm. third-party cookies. Okay. Okay. So that makes sense. So competitors are already doing it. This is kind of what people want, if you will. I mean, even if we're thinking about um, like along the lines of privacy and 
people's data. Like if I'm thinking about like what I'm doing on a month to month basis, I know recently Facebook has removed some of the things um, that you can target people by for lack of a better term that you used to be able to. So like you can't target people based on ethnicity, religion, um, certain things like that um, are been totally removed. So it seems like Google is Chrome, you know, they're trying to follow suit of what is happening in the public consciousness. Like this is where people are moving. So let's do it. If I can be honest though, it feels like that's not like it feels like people wouldn't just do something like a big search engine, Chrome, like Google. It feels like they wouldn't just do it because it's what people want. Like there's got to be some other thing they're implementing. So if Google is nixing cookies, are they allowing marketers or are they implementing something else that still allows people in the industry to kind of do the same thing they were doing with third-party cookies? Or what's, uh, what's it looking like there, if that makes sense? It actually, it brings up a great kind of controversy even in that because people are saying, well, does Google actually even care about privacy or are they just doing this to make even more money if people take the money they would have spent using, you know, third-party cookies and they put that into something else like a Chrome extension or something that would generate more income for Google and then they would be just earning more money. Do they actually even care about privacy? Uh, That is a great point. That's kind of speaks to my question. Martin, that's a great point. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to read a, a nice quote from uh, HubSpot's former vice president of marketing, Matthew Howes Barbie. Okay. Uh, at one point, he was quoted as saying, um, and I quote, the big question behind all of this for me is what's motivating Google to phase out third-party cookies app? Is it to improve privacy for the end user, or is it to gain a further grip on the ad market by forcing the adaptation of Google's own first-party cookie, which would likely result in many of those dollars being previously spent on third-party platforms to move into Google's bottom line. So as we're mentioning, it could be external factors. The world has, since 2013, Mm -hmm. I think was kind of a big landmark moment in privacy in American history. For those who like history- Hit us with 2013, Trevor, what happened? 2013, you may have heard of him. Edward Snowden released a bunch of information about Mm -hmm. Americans' privacy, right? And also, coincidentally, in 2013, as Laura mentioned, some of the competitors did phase out the third-party cookies. That was Safari and Firefox. Both did that in 2013. That was a very landmark shift in kind of American consumers' privacy concerns. In my personal opinion, I don't think Google would be doing this without these external forces acting upon them. There's been worldwide attention on this. There's been a lawsuit in Ireland. There's been GDPR regulations all across Europe. And Europe compared to America, digital marketing is just two different worlds. Europe is a lot more stringent. They're a lot more consumer Mm -hmm oriented versus America is very centered on having businesses thrive. That is super interesting. Okay. So that does help frame the whole conversation a little bit more. I would uh, probably um, side with the former vice president of marketing of HubSpot, I think is who that was, with that opinion. Um, that is That is very interesting. Lauren, do you have anything to add to that? Or are you like, yeah, I mean, that sounds good to me. That sounds good to me. 
(laughs) (laughs) So, all right. So with that out of the way, then I think the question for marketers uh, that, that people are, you know, throwing around, what are we going to do? So if Google is nixing cookies, what's the new method going to be? We talked a little bit about third parties, that sort of thing, but can we dive a little bit more into that? Are there any specific examples of what it might look like going forward into the future with GA4 and all that sort of stuff? So the biggest thing is the privacy sandbox. This is Google's latest endeavor, I guess you would call it. It's in testing right now, but this is their latest endeavor in trying to satisfy both users and marketers and make sure that we're respecting users' privacy at the same time we're still able to target the right groups of people. And so kind of how this works, there's a a section called Topics that's part of the Privacy Sandbox. And... um, it's uh, being positioned as a new web standard, not, not really a privacy feature per se, but the way that it works is you're going to go around the web and Chrome is going to keep track of the categories, not the actual sites, but the categories that you visit the most. And then each week, okay. there'll be a handful of them that are gathered up your most frequently visited categories. And this is all done at the, the device level rather than the server level. And so they will take those topics, those categories, I guess, and we can then target those topics. So say health and fitness or animals and pets or whatever interests and categories of sites that you've gone to. And then this prevents Google from knowing the specific sites and just puts you into a group, like a cohort of people, essentially. And that way it's still anonymous. It's protecting your privacy. It's protecting your data. Um, but it's still allowing us to target. And, and people can opt out of it, too. Um, websites can opt out of topics. And people, um, they can opt out of it as well. And all of the data is deleted after three weeks. So these are just some of the efforts that Google is taking to make sure that we're satisfying both users and marketers. Okay. That's actually, that's very interesting, especially the three weeks point to me. I feel for what it's worth, I feel like that is very much um, speaking to people as well. It's like, I think people are much more comfortable being like, okay, you track my topics. You know, it's not uber specific, but these are the topics. And then after three weeks, I kind of get a fresh start, if you will. Um, The users can even opt out of... um they can opt out of topics, they can see the topics, they can remove any that they don't like, change settings, or opt out completely in, in Chrome. It's very interesting. Okay. That's very interesting. So if we were looking at it from a optimistic point of view, it is putting more uh, leverage or control, rather, in the hands of the user by letting them opt out of topics. It's not saving their data for as long. Like, I don't know now, do, do we just save, does it just kind of cookie... Third-party cookies save their data forever or whatever. Like I don't know what that length is, but going to, if it, if that were the case, going down to three weeks is pretty huge. Mm-hmm. Okay, that's very interesting. So there's still um, uh, basically I think we can sum this up with uh, there's still um, uh, room for the marketer to be able to gather the data that they need, but playing within the boundaries again. If we're speaking optimistically of um, not being so big brother about it, if you will. Right. So it's interesting, but cookies, so it's not, it's a little bit of a misnomer to say cookies are going away f- for good. Right. Cause we still have first party cookies and then it's kind of just morphing into 
something else. Is that correct to say? Yeah, I would, I would say that's also true. And with the nixing of the third parties, this was originally supposed to happen a couple of years ago. And Google keeps pushing this back and back and back that it was originally supposed to be this year. And now they are pushing it back to 2024. I am not sure if they're going to be, be keep pushing it back or if there's going to be some sort of... It's not. It's pretty easy to appeal to the user, but also make it, but keep them around if, if you just like say it's coming, but just keep pushing it back. Yeah, what, what I was going to say was I'm not sure if there's going to be any sort of uh, regulation in place that they have to take it out by a certain year okay. just to kind of get everyone in place. Like you mentioned before, with Google Analytics 4, they've given us a very strict date mm-hmm. next year that anything on Universal Analytics is going to stop recording and you're going to have to move to GA4. I think it's going to be a very similar thing. You're not going to be able to figure or find third-party cookies anymore past this certain date. But like I just said, they keep pushing it back and pushing it back until they get their systems in place. And in America, we have a very fine line between balancing the consumer and the business entities that make up our country. It's Mm -hmm. a very fine line and they haven't quite figured it out. And I think they just keep pushing it back and back to finally get both sides where they're at least agreeable on the topic. That's a good point. I think that's probably what has, it's kind of like a compromise. There needs to be some sort of agreement, but it's not obviously going to swing all the way to the other end. And I think what uh, surprises me too is that I think there are a lot of users. Maybe I would be one of them. I certainly like my first party cookies. I've mentioned that, but maybe I'd be one of them that doesn't want everything to go away anyways, because I feel like people really like making it, you know, having an easy online web browsing experience where things pop up and their algorithms, you know, crafted for them and all that sort of stuff. But that kind of can't happen unless you are surrendering even willingly your data to some extent, right? I always bring this up, but our uh, uh, head of design, art director, I think is his uh, title, Kimmich. He's been on the podcast many times. Um, He was always talking about, he was looking for a bed frame, I think, or something like that once. And he didn't really know where to look. So he just kind of like, mentioned it he talked about it around his phone and then like just searched bed frame you know every so often on his phone and gave it like a week or two and then was like oh cool i got like a bunch of suggestions here and now i know where to go so i mean people like the comfortability it's just to some extent uh that's not possible if you're not giving up your data to some extent so maybe uh, being able to opt out of topics and you know your data only being saved for three weeks or so is that nice middle ground that you're talking about, Trevor. But you know it's yet to be seen, and it won't. And GA four won't be the last update, right? We're gonna have a whole lot more to come, presumably. So who knows how it's gonna keep evolving? Anything else to add? I mean, I feel like we covered a lot. I don't know if I'm missing anything that's that's burning on the hearts of our SEO team here. Two sixths of our SEO team. Uh, anything you want to add before I seg into some final fun questions? I made my Snowden point. I'm good. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, so building off of Snowden and cookie-less <laughs> tracking and that sort of thing, um, microchips in the hand, would you take them or no? And let me make my case first, okay? It makes life very easy. It's like um, a touch ID or face ID on the phone, right? We already did that. And... Don't you hate having to swipe your debit card and Apple Pay is kind of finicky sometimes. Maybe your phone's dead and you just want to make it easy. And if you already have a hand on you, 
why not get the microchip in there? And then it's super easy. The downside of that is that maybe people could track you or things like that. So really what I'm asking is yay or nay to the microchip in the hand. SEO team. That is a big nay for me over here. I am, uh, (laughs) as we talked about, some people like the first party cookies. Some people like the third party (laughs) cookies. There's definitely very passionate sides on the yes. In your example with our art director, Kimmick, searching for bed frames, didn't know what to do. I am very much the opposite. Despite my position (laughs) as a marketer, I have turned off all personalizations I don't like any of that. Uh, once again, because Snowden, it all goes back to that. That was a pretty eye-wakening event mm-hmm. that I do not like having these companies personally going after what I'm looking for, even though as my job, I do like it. I've, I've seen a lot on LinkedIn that there are people who work in the industry of marketing. They love their jobs. I'm one of them, but then personally do not agree with it. I've seen a lot of people in SEO do that and specifically social media. I like, I find a lot of people who work in social media do it for their job, but personally they can't stand it. Can I say that seems like the, um, general disposition of, uh, people that I speak to in marketing and a lot of people at tower included, not that like, so let me say it this way. They love what they do, but they spend, um, a lot less time on social media themselves um, in their personal life, or they're kind of, uh, you know, leery of the whole data collection thing as well. Um, maybe it's like when parents, like when someone's like an actor and then it's like, are you going to like encourage your kid to get into acting? And they're like, no, I don't think so. They'll like, maybe they should just go into a trade or something. It's, it's a little bit like when you're in the industry, I guess you see the benefits and the downsides to just do it because you're so into it. Lauren, what do you think? Microchip in the hand or no? Um... I'm going to say no. <laughs> okay. Again, I would say that's the general disposition of the people I speak to as well. But there's a lot of people who would. It seems like that's a very popular opinion. But it's probably not for marketers, maybe, hopefully. No, I think it's for a couple of years ago. I think I watched some YouTube documentary about human cyborgs where people were putting uh, magnetics in their hand and they were just lifting up paper clips mm. without actually picking it up. And they thought it was the coolest thing. I imagine they would be very first in line with the uh, well, the microchip. So would you do the Neuralink thing, like Elon Musk's Neuralink? That's not in your hand. That's like in your head. I've seen too many sci-fi movies to see. Yeah, that's a big no for me. The I'm big, just... Everything along those topics is usually in a very dark, clouded <laughs> sphere. I always think that like when, so Grace, uh, who is our uh, team lead on content, um, recently she said, we were talking about it in the office and she was like, has no one read the 50s sci-fi novels like Brave New World or 1984, that sort of thing. Um, But also I just think like iRobot with Will Smith. I don't know if anyone's ever seen it, but I just feel like everybody becomes the bad guys in those movies, even though the bad guys in those movies were like kind of good guys. They're just like, let's make robots. And it just gets a little out of hand. Exactly. And maybe that's what people were speaking to about third-party cookies, right? It started as a good idea, and it is a good idea, but then the nature of the world is things can just get out of hand. Um, that's great. I have one more fun question I thought I wanted to ask you both, and it's hard to come down from microchips in the hand. Um, but let me think what it was. Oh, this is the last one. Along those lines, 
off the grid living. Does that interest you? Would you ever do that? You've been in the marketing world, you're in the industry, tech, the age of information, the digital world, Edward Snowden, microchips, Neuralink. We talked about it all somehow on this podcast. Um, would you ever like homestead and be like, listen, I'm going off the grid. I use cash or not even cash because I just, you know, provide for myself. Or, you know, do you like the the amenities? I, I think I would do uh, maybe a little bit of both, which is kind of, I think, what I was saying I, earlier. I turned off all my personalization, all my ads and stuff. That's kind of the halfway point. But I recently bought a Slim Wallet, and it doesn't even have any cash spots. So I am going with the card. But I mean... You want to live just like 1983, maybe. Yeah, yeah. Like, like on there's the still... Of technology. Yeah. Exactly. I, yeah. Yeah. yeah, I'm not, I'm not full off the grid. I'm kind of... Gridish, I'm on on the side of the grid. <laughs> You're gridish. I like grid-ish. that. Lord, what about you? I don't think I could survive. <laughs> <laughs> Just straight up, that's a good. I mean, I don't think I could either. I'd have to learn a lot of skills. But yeah, um, awesome. Well, thank you both for sincerely educating me. I mean, I always try to do research before these episodes, but when it's a little bit outside of my domain, I also like to just come in and learn from the people who that is uh, their expertise. Um, So thank you for listening to this episode of Tower After Hours. Again, you can find us on SoundCloud, Spotify, pretty much Apple Podcasts, you know, pretty much where you are listening to podcasts. We are there. Give us a like, a follow, subscribe. Uh, And until next time, um have a great one thank you danny can you add in one more question of what's your favorite cookie oh man (laughs) shout out to taylor chip cookies i'm gonna say all my costco lovers know the beauty of that chocolate chip cookie It is unlike any cookie you will ever have and it is only found at costco anything with s'mores is my favorite i love s'mores um S'mores cookies from Taylor Chip Cookie are great. Taylor Chip is very good. They make humongous cookies. They are incredibly delicious. Probably my favorite cookie I've had. I don't know if I've had the Costco cookie, so I can't say. I've had like muffins from Costco. They're incredible. I've had, you know, churros from the little snack stand, whatever you call it, at Costco. Those are incredible. But that's a that's a good that's a good choice, Lauren. Taylor Taylor Chip Cookies is awesome. Um, all right. Well, I'm just going to seg into my exit then. I'm going to clip that. So that's good.